Hello, and welcome aboard the Galan Says Podcast, live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Galan Says, but also available wherever you get your podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. It is Friday, March 25th of 2022. The Houston Cougars are on to the Elite Eight, and I am firmly on the bandwagon. But we're going to talk about bandwagoning a little bit later. I am curious as to your thoughts on bandwagons. Are you okay with them? Do you hate it when people jump on them? More on that in a bit. But we do have to talk about, I think, perhaps the biggest story of the day and hopefully the last time that we even need to mention his name Deshaun Watson who had his introductory press conference today with the Cleveland Browns Colt take Jim responds as a fan of train wrecks that press conference was one of the best ones I've seen in a while you know I wish it was more of a train wreck because I like chaos I felt that it was likely going to go down the way that it did. That's not to say it was predictable, but it was unsatisfying. But what the hell are you going to get out of a conference, a press conference, right? You're going to get a couple of people who will feel like they've got giant balls asking the tough questions, making the Cleveland Browns feel accountable. But when the owner's not even fucking sitting up there, Jimmy Haslam with Andrew Berry, Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski, who for some reason was up there. I mean, what kind of a press conference really is this? And I know he did a Zoom session off to the side, but (laughs) I mean, the kind of quotes that you're getting from Jimmy Haslam too are exactly what you would expect to get from an owner. I believe, uh, for example, the one that we got from Haslam that really jumped out, Albert Breer tweeted it out. To finish their media availability, Browns owner Jimmy and D. Haslam said they involved their daughters in the decision-making with Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Berry, and Paul DePodesta. Jimmy said he got and took advice to give D. and his daughters veto powers over the trade. Bull shit. This is like the Browns saying that they did their due diligence by asking a couple of women on Rusty Harden's uh, defense team whether or not they felt that they had vetted Deshaun Watson enough. They're fucking lawyers in that situation. And and this one, too, really, is Jimmy Haslam going to listen to his daughters on this front? Or is he going to be like, oh, yeah, honey. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we're going to we're going to try something here on the press conference. We're going to go to specific moments of the press conference and we're actually going to play it right here on the pot. We'll see how it goes. I'm not great with technology, but uh, let's transition in and um, boom. There we go. OK, so we have the press conference up in front of us. Let me pull the window up. So I've got it. There you go. OK, uh, where is there we go. OK. So the press conference starts off. There's Andrew Berry, the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. There's Deshaun Watson. And there's Kevin Stefanski. Again, as I said before, where the hell is Jimmy Haslam? It started off with a statement from Andrew Berry. I'll give Andrew Berry credit. He did not script the statement. Didn't say anything, but he didn't script the statement. There was just a lot of talking about the work that the Browns put into the investigation. He spoke for about four and a half minutes. Then Kevin Stefanski spoke. I think he only spoke two or three times over the course of the whole press conference. And he said, I have confidence in the work we put in. 
I don't know how much work, though, that Kevin Stefanski actually himself put in in this situation. Watson didn't speak until about five and a half minutes into the press conference, and he said that he wants to have the opportunity to show who he really is and to get his story out eventually. I didn't see remorse. I imagine showing remorse would perhaps give anyone who is suing him in civil court uh, some ammunition to work with, but I didn't really sense any remorse, even really embarrassment from Watson while he was up there at the podium. As far as the end of Watson's time in Houston, he said, it was time for us to part ways and that the Texans, we came to that conclusion. I'm tired of teams sitting back quietly while players say, yeah, we agreed on a mutual split. The Rockets did not agree on a mutual split with James Harden. The Seahawks did not agree on a mutual split with Russell Wilson. They're all the same. The players are making it seem like they didn't try to force their way out of town. But before all this shit happened with Deshaun Watson, Watson did try to force his way out of town. So let's actually go to the press conference itself. And I want to say it's about, I don't know, 11 minutes in or so where the first moment that jumped out to me was, and let's get to it. Here is Deshaun Watson. I'm going investigation still, but I can say that with this now day and age, um, especially with my age group, social media. Let me scroll back a second to get a little context. So Deshaun Watson was asked about the many different massage people that he had, and this was his answer. Can, Can you kind of explain that number? Uh, yeah, I can't get too far into detail because there's an ongoing investigation still. But I can say that with this now day and age, um, especially with my age group, social media is a big business part um, that, that goes into it. So that's you know a factor into it. But as far as the details, I can't get too far into it because there's an investigation going on. But hopefully, you know, once everything is resolved, I can speak freely on it. Are you kind of reevaluating? So... He was asked why he had as many different massage therapists as he did, which is something along the lines of 40. And his answer is just ridiculous, right? Oh, well, you know, social media and business. I mean, social media, you know, the social media. And it reminds me of something that Kyler Murray said today. Kyler Murray was asked, quarterback for the Cardinals, about deleting all of his posts on Instagram and about the hullabaloo that it created this offseason. And what Kyler Murray had to say about all of that was this. No, that was, like I said, if you're a kid my age, you're used to, like, people take off all of their... That's just a thing. (laughs) And none of that made sense, right? Honestly, like I said, I took everything off it beside one picture, so it had nothing to do with the Cardinals or anything like that. Then what did it have to do with anything? Why did you do it? Oh, because if you're a kid my age, you do that? I only know one person who does that. She's a friend of mine. Her name is Carly. I've seen her delete like all of her posts on Instagram before. That is it. This is not something a lot of people do. And she is not a quarterback for an NFL team that is all of a sudden deleting all sorts of uh, pictures with people she's played with. Now, as far as people that she dates, okay, maybe that's a different story. But in this situation, we're talking about a quarterback who is deleting all sorts of different posts that have to do with the team that he plays for. 
He continued saying, uh, we'll get back to Deshaun Watson in a bit. I just found, found this Kyler Murray quote hilarious. Obviously, you've got the whole social media stuff and then coming out with whatever it is about in the future and stuff like that. What the fuck? <laughs> but honestly, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm just being where my feet are and keeping the football the main thing like I always have. <laughs> Obviously, you've got the whole social media stuff and then coming out with whatever it is about the future and stuff like that. Oh, boy. All right, let's continue this to Sean Watson press conference. If we scroll ahead to, I want to say, 1345 in, Watson was asked why he eventually decided to pick the Browns. Um, actually, it had nothing to do with the contract. I didn't know about the contract until I told my agent that I wanted to come and be a Cleveland Brown. That was secondary. That was after the fact that we spoke on the phone with A.B. and Kevin and, and the Haslam family. So that had nothing to do with me choosing the Cleveland Browns. So he chose the Browns not because of the money. Bullshit. Sorry, I don't believe you. No one should believe him. I picked the Browns, and then the money happened. Now, maybe another team would have paid him, and there is a report about how a team called the Cleveland Browns after the fact, and were like, yo, we would have matched this. What the hell happened? Watson did eventually decide on the Browns, but I'm sure this was the sweetener. They were out. How do you get back in when you're desperate for a quarterback and Baker Mayfield is putting all sorts of sad social media posts together? Offer the bag. Be honest. Come on, Browns. I didn't expect any transparency in this press conference, but come on. Is that really that hard? Is that really that embarrassing? Like, we all know what you did. Just, just own it and move on, and people are going to forget a couple of years from now. A little bit later, uh, Watson mentioned that there is a stain that's going to stick with me for a while, and all I can do is keep moving forward, and that seemed to be the mission statement for Watson when he was up at said podium. Just continuously going back to that. A couple minutes later, at 18.03, I was struck by this part of the Deshaun Watson press conference. Where he gets a very pointed question. Why should you be believed instead of more than 20 women? Um, I can't speak on on what people um, opinions are um, because everyone have their own opinions. But what I can continue to do is tell the truth. And that is I've never assaulted or disrespected or harassed any woman in my life. Like I said before, I was raised differently. That's not my DNA. That's not my culture. That's not me as a person. And that's not how I was raised. And for me, that's to continue to push forward and, and show people that who I really am. And a lot of people haven't met me before. A lot of people haven't spoke to me before. A lot of people haven't been in the same environment environment as me before. And I want to continue to open that up and be able to have people. Okay, you know, blah, 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 blah. Let's people. go back to this part. Because I just was struck by how, once again, defiant he has been in the wake of all of this. Instead of more than 20 women. Um, I can't speak on, on what people... Um, opinions are um, because everyone have their own opinions but what I can continue to do is tell the truth and that is I've never assaulted or disrespected or harassed any woman in my life this was also a common theme just those three things right there never assaulted never disrespected and never harassed any woman in my life you want another example of this 
Let's go to about 10 minutes later. I'm sure that this was the plan that he came into the press conference with. Whenever I feel like I am against the ropes, I am going to come back with this statement. 22 women filing these suits. What can you tell us about what actually happened with these women? Are you saying that they all just made this up? They're all lying? What actually happened? Um, all I can say is, again, I never assaulted, I never disrespected, and I never harassed any woman in my life. I wasn't raised that way. I would, my mom and my aunties didn't raise me that way. Of the course of my life, that's not in my DNA. And as far as the details of actually the things that they're alleging, I can't speak on that because the, there's an ongoing investigation. But, um, you know, in the future, once everything is resolved, I will sit down and love to talk about it. I really wonder about that last part. Whoever coached him, coached him pretty well. Never assaulted, never disrespected, never harassed any woman in my life. Pause. Can't speak on anything because there's an ongoing investigation. But when I can, I'll talk about it. And I'm sure he is counting on the fact that we, as people who cover stories like this, whether it's in news or in sports, 15 minutes later, 15 days later, 15 months later, all of a sudden a story like this is relatively forgotten and we're focused on the next big thing in front of us. Is there going to be due diligence done with Deshaun Watson in the future? Is he actually going to be transparent in the future? No, he's not. Why would he be? He wants to get this behind him as quickly as he possibly can. Does he have a problem? Let's go back a little bit in the press conference to about eh, 23 minutes or so. This is Deshaun Watson being asked if he would do some sort of counseling. You know, personally in terms of counseling or, or whatever it else, whatever else it would take to show that you'll go the extra mile to make sure nothing like this ever happens again? Um, I, I, it's hard for me to say the counseling part because I don't, I don't have a problem. You know, I don't, I don't have an issue. And that's that's what I've been saying from the beginning. So this situation is, is definitely is, is tough and it's very difficult. But me as a as a having a problem going to counseling and things like that, I'm willing to talk to people about certain situations to make sure I'm not getting back in this. But I've, like I said before, I never assaulted anyone, never disrespected anyone. Um, I've always there been it is respectful again. and that's what I've always you know stood on. And that's who I am as a person. Never assaulted anyone, never disrespected anyone, never harassed any women. Just consistently said throughout the press conference. That was the game plan. One more time. Would you do counseling? I don't have a problem or an issue. You also heard him say there. But I am willing to talk to people to make sure I'm not getting back into this. Well, is that because you're addressing a problem or are you just doing this so that people are going to stop annoying you? Seems like the latter, right? If you don't have a problem, then why would you do it? In fact, you would be a little more defined in this spot, I would think, than you've been for the most part coming out of the um, two grand juries that have not pressed any charges criminal-wise against you, right? I mean, he doesn't have a problem. It really felt, you watched the whole entire press conference, there didn't seem to be any regrets anywhere, and I... I'm not going to say I'm like, oh, God, I'm so disgusted coming out of it. You know, I, I feel like I've kind of exhausted all emotions when it comes to all things Deshaun Watson. But there's one last part where Watson got a question and the way he responded to it was interesting to me. We're working hard on and understanding where forward. we want to move. For Sean, on this whole off the field situation, do you have any regrets on anything? And if so, what were they? Um... I mean, I don't, I don't have any regrets. 
Um, like, like I said before, the things that, that are off the field right now that came up, you know, caught me by surprise because I never did anything that these people are, are alleging. And I know a lot of people say that I took the year off um, and I used that to be able to clear my name um, like the previous uh, two weeks and, and just to continue to fight that. And I just continue to work and become a better person, a better player. No regrets. And I just want to move forward. I mean, should we have expected anything different from the press conference? No. Should we have watched the 40 minutes of this press conference at all? No. If we weren't going to have our opinion changed one way or the other. If you believe Watson, you believe him. If you don't believe Watson, you're not going to believe him based off anything he said. There's one more moment I wanted to get to, and I just thought it was interesting the way that he answered this. It's a better son. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah always son. taught me. Maybe before his resolve. Maintaining his innocence. And without, you know, me speak on it, I can speak freely on it. We're going to close it out with that. Part is just to fight that um, like, like challenge right now there was a point okay well i can't find it all i know is that he said what's been the most difficult part for you personally going through all of this the first thing he said was well with with football with life again he, he's just so clearly wanting to turn the page and this press conference to him probably shows that yeah he's going to be able to turn the page and turn the page quite easily and the browns are going to move on and we're all going to forget about this eventually because we all suck so there you go let's get back into the uh Full screen, everybody. Uh, what do we got here? We got a comment from Redzor ZX. Appreciate your opinions in Seattle. Keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate you. And I hope that you're not a Zags fan. That was a rough night last night for the Zags, a team that I did root for when I was in Seattle. Sorry, I tend to lean with the east side of the state of Washington on pretty much everything. <laughs> Sports, because I like Wazoo. They're fun. Basketball, because Gonzaga's the good team. You dubbed. And also, maybe the politics, but whatever. That's fine. It's neither here nor there. I jumped onto the University of Houston Cougars bandwagon, and I'm not ashamed of it. But I have questions about bandwagon jumping. I'm curious as to how you feel about it. Growing up in Boston, you are generally going to be, if you like sports at all, Someone who views the local teams as part of your actual heritage. I think it's like this in Philadelphia, in New York, I'd argue probably in Cleveland. I think you could make a case that it's like this in Chicago too. Pittsburgh, definitely. Maybe DC. I would say Baltimore. It's in my opinion, a Northeastern thing, and I would say, too, in the Southeast, when it comes to college football, it's probably pretty similar. You have this immense pride in the fact that your parents had sex in a random location and that you were born and then you liked this team. It's funny because that's why it is the way that it is, but we look at it as some sort of religious experience, and a lot of people get very mad at people who don't, feel the same way, weren't raised to feel the same way. You look at somebody who would dare stop rooting for the team right in front of him and start rooting for another team, and you think to yourself, what a fucking loser. This guy sucks. He's just going to stop rooting for the team 
that he grew up rooting. Oh man, he's soft. He's a coward. He's a quitter. All sorts of things. There's like an indictment on your character. If you stop rooting for a team that you grew up with, I'm in a weird situation. I'm not going to exactly excuse myself from it because there are two teams that I still love. The Patriots are my number one team. They always will be. And the Boston Celtics are my number two team. Uh, the Boston Red Sox I used to love, but eh, things kind of changed over time. Part of that had to do with the fact that I didn't like the way that they fired Terry Francona or how they have smeared players that I grew up watching like Nomar Garcia Parra on their way out. But another part of it had to do with the fact that the Astros started winning when I was here and I really enjoyed them. I came to respect them. And I didn't really root for any of the teams in Houston for a while. I, I never was able to root for the Rockets with James Harden. I found them disgusting with the way that they played. Sure, they were good, but I just didn't feel like they were on my level. As a Boston sports fan growing up, I didn't think they were good enough for me. Felt the same way with the Texans, too. When I first came in 2011, 2012, I'm like, can you guys calm down? This is like a 10 and 6 team, 11 and 5. What are you excited about? And that probably made me some enemies, but that's how I am. I mean, I've seen so many things as a sportsman growing up in Boston that I'm callous to a lot of athletic achievement. But again, the Astros started being what they were, and I was like, man, I really respect them. I will give my full endorsement, and eventually I became a fan of them. And I've come, become that way with the Houston Cougars basketball team. The Cougars, to me, are a team that I think has really, really shown that they play basketball in a way that is almost counter to the way that you expect to see it played, both in the NBA and in college these days. They are all about the old school shit that I think your dad probably wants. Rebounding, boxing out, physical defense. They're all about all of those things that I love in certain basketball teams because basketball is a bit of a soft sport. I'm not saying that I could take on a basketball player. They'd probably kick my ass. But I am saying that most basketball players don't like contact, don't like to be physical, don't like it when others shove them. I just base this off the fact that whenever I go play a pickup game, a basketball, me, an ex-football player, not a good one, hustling around, generally gets a couple of players to go, oh, what are you doing? I'm playing hard. This is what I enjoy doing. And I like that the Cougs are like that. So that's why it's so easy for me to endorse them, but also, too, the success. Two straight Elite Eight appearances, possibly two straight Final Four appearances. We'll see what happens against Villanova on Saturday. What they've done is just so alluring to me. So, of course, I'm jumping on the bandwagon, but I know that Cougar fans are a little sensitive to that. And there's a strange dynamic in the city of Houston and when it comes to the college sports fan bases in town. LSU's there. You have some Alabama fans. Not a, not a lot. Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor to a lesser extent. But it's mostly UT, Texas A&M, other SEC schools. And then there's the Cougs. And there's a lot of people that went to the University of Houston. And some of them have picked the Texas Aggies, the Texas A&M Aggies as their like team that they root for the most. Others have chosen UT and I have no problem with that. College is always weird. You know, I grew up in Boston and I liked the Florida Gators. I liked their colors. So I always rooted for Florida as a kid. I can totally understand someone that went to the university of Houston, just like I went to the university, went to Syracuse university who I love their football team, but they suck. Rooting for Florida is a lot easier because they're a lot more watchable. If you're somebody that grew up at, 
in, in Houston and you went to the University of Houston, you're right, you probably like the Cougs, but there's other teams that you're probably paying a little bit more attention to in college because until recently, the Cougs weren't like very good every single year. But now recently, they've, they've been pretty good in both sports, both football and basketball for a while. They have good athletic facilities. They're going to move into the Big 12. Like, there's a lot of things in their favor. I'm curious as to how you feel about other people rooting for your squad. Are you grossed out by it? Are you annoyed by it? Do you not want all of these people to be fans of your hipster band? I listened to it first. Oh, yeah? You root for the Cougs? Name one song. You know, like you see with people who are wearing Nirvana shirts and stuff. Nirvana might be my favorite band, by the way. I got into a rabbit hole of them ever since that uh, the Batman came out. Something in the way. I don't care if I live or die. I don't care what happens to me. I'm Robert Pattinson. But I'm curious as to your thoughts on bandwagoning. I feel like if you like something enough, you can jump on that bandwagon. You should probably ask for permission first. And you can't act like you have been a fan of that team all along. Just admit it. You jumped on the bandwagon. If someone gives you shit over it, that's their problem. Not your problem. You get to enjoy the sport. You get to enjoy what you like. Don't let people shame you for jumping on a bandwagon. In the past, I would have. I won't do that anymore. My code has changed just a little bit. What else have we got on this episode of the Galant Says Podcast? Oh, yeah. I wanted to touch on this. So, for those who don't know, my first job in radio was at Sports Radio 610, home of the Houston Texans. The Texans play here and Texans, Texans live. The Texans and Texans, Texans now. Texans replay. Like, so much Texans. And I didn't mind working there because the NFL is my favorite sport. And it's not close. If I could talk about just the NFL all day long, I would. But things get a little bit boring. And I do like March Madness. I do like playoff baseball. I do like the NBA. But football, I mean, it's my religion, especially the NFL. So I used to work at 610. In Seattle, I worked at 710 ESPN Seattle. Now I, I guess it's Seattle Sports Station or something like that. Um, and they were the Seahawks flagship station in addition to being the Mariners flagship station. When you work with a team partner, there's always going to be this idea that because you work for the flagship station of this uh, team, that you're going to be biased, that your opinions are going to be slanted. And I know that 610 still gets a bad rap for it, and I, I think the bad rap is unfair. Is it because I was there for a while? Partly, but I mean, I remember calling Bill O'Brien a beta bitch because he punted down two scores against the Patriots. Said it was a beta bitch move to punt down two scores against the Patriots at the beginning of the 2018 season. Even though the punt got muffed. I was just like, you're down two scores. You're going to lose the game. What are you doing? It's a cowardly thing to do. It's almost waving the white flag. There were times where I said that the Texans didn't care about winning. There were times where I called out their owner, Bob McNair. And part of that might have had to do with the fact that our boss <laughs> may not have been listening to me. Part of it may have had to do with the fact that we kind of were a little sick of the relationship that we had with the Texans because the Texans essentially have their own programming that is separate from 610 on 610, and they still do. I imagine that all of the programming these days, though, is something that looks at things with a very negative lens. Things changed, though, when uh, Armin came in to replace Ryan McCrudd and Armin Williams, where they were trying to clearly rebuild the relationship between the Texans and the station. And I think that some things that I did perhaps might have led to my eventual exit from the station. 
But I'll say this. In eight years, I was never told what to say. I was never told not what not to say. There was only one time where I heard about how there was a team that we worked with that gets pissy about some of the things that we say. And at 610, that was the Rockets. I remember one of my co-hosts read a story over the weekend about the ratings for the Rockets on TV being down. And I mean, of course they were down. There's like Louis Skoll and Kevin Martin were their two best players. Who the fuck wanted to watch that team? No offense to those two. But it was a boring, like, middle-of-the-road team where they were competitive at least, but, you know, there was nothing really that flashy about them. So I remember we talked about this, and, and Tad Brown, who was the president of the Rockets, got super pissed off and butthurt about it and tried to have that guy fired. I know that he's yelled before at another one of my colleagues back in the day, like in a group meeting. I'm glad he's in Philadelphia, and I can't wait to see his Sixers, along with James Harden, blow it in the second round of the playoffs, like Harden generally does. And for all the Philadelphia people to turn on the new 76ers presidency. But honestly, if you, you know, you want to you find partnerships between radio stations and sports teams where the sports teams are in control of everything. In Houston, the one to look at is 790. The Rockets are probably a little different these days, but they've always been sensitive. And the Astros, I mean, they're great now, but there's probably some things that people at that station can't do because of the Astros and their footprint there. I don't have a lot of background on it. I just know that it's... Different at 790 than it is at 610. And all you can guess who I heard all of these things from, but he makes some damn good points. At 710, and I know you're bored and you're wondering, Paul, what's the point here? But at 710, the Mariners were a little sensitive with some things. I, I would hear about them through third parties, but I was always pretty insulated from anything that might have pissed off the teams that we were partners with. The Seahawks never got mad at me. And I was dumping on Russell Wilson for an entire offseason. And they never got mad at me. Now, they, they might have been mad about some things, and they never told me about it, but no, I, I never had a bad relationship with the Seahawks or the Mariners, and I felt like the Seahawks allowed me to be critical. You know, I, I was. I was pretty pointed. Perhaps I took the wrong side. Perhaps I should have taken the side of Russell Wilson or something like that so that all those online hooligans like Evan Hill would be satisfied with their very like basic tweets that they put out there into the ether of anger that gets so many likes and retweets. Am I jealous of it? Yes, I am. It's fucking annoying to me. But whatever. doesn't matter. I've, I've made a pledge going forward. I'm just going to tweet positive things about Colin Kaepernick because I'm just going to get a huge Twitter following because that's all that matters in life. Anyway, I bring all of this up about team partnerships with radio stations to talk about Washington football team slash the commanders. So Odyssey, the company that owns 610 as well, is dropping the commanders for the radio. At least that's how they spun it. The organization and the company disagreed on the value of the broadcast, wrote the Odyssey in a statement. And the station believed it was important to come to be... To continue to be able to provide honest, objective information, analysis, and commentary about the commanders. It was important for us to continue to provide uh, what we provide... On our talk shows, which is honest, objective analysis on the team, which I feel like 610 does, did, which I feel like 710 does, did. But the commanders claimed essentially that Odyssey was fired. They said, we initiated a formal 
process last fall for the Washington Commander's radio broadcast agreement, which concluded last week. Multiple companies submitted bids as part of this process, including Odyssey, who was an active and aggressive participant and submitted multiple partnership proposals for the next three years of increased value over previous deal. Based on the evaluation process, we selected a new partner who will bring a significantly larger deal as well as new creativity and broader region scale to programming. We shared with Odyssey last week that we would not be moving forward as partners. The commanders actually might be telling the truth here and Odyssey might be full of shit. But do you actually believe the commanders? Do you believe anything that the commanders do say? No, they don't deserve any benefit of the doubt. And I'm curious as to where they go because a radio station dropping an NFL team is noteworthy. A radio station getting dumped by an NFL team would also be noteworthy, but it generally doesn't happen. I mean, you know, the, <laughs> 610 took quite the deal with the Texans when it comes to the whole Texans radio thing where they're losing hours of programming on Monday and morning drive and in Monday afternoon and afternoon drive and uh, losing nights essentially to Texans programming too. Like they, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot. And they still decided even for a football team that largely has been a giant disappointment that yeah, it was worth it. The commanders for all their bullshit over the last 20 to 30 years, they still have a massive fan base in DC. So it was surprising to see that. Uh, below Black Star, I don't even like baseball, but I cheer for the Astros just to upset Mariners fans. <laughs> That's kind of funny. You're welcome aboard the bandwagon. I, I don't know what I'm going to do when an Astros Mariners game. I, I think, and I haven't bought tickets yet because tickets are so fucking expensive right now because of gas prices. But I was looking ahead at Memorial Day weekend because the Astros are going to be in town at. at T-Mobile, and hopefully the weather cooperates in Seattle. But I think I will be there for that series. And I honestly don't know how I'm going to root because I do really like what the Mariners have done over the last two years. But, of course, I was here with the Astros from the bottom all the way to the top. Am I allowed to have a jersey with both teams? Can I be on the bandwagon of both teams? Be like a nice little, I don't know, um, open relationship. Anyway, uh, one last thing. Before we hit the road, are you guys tired of the Joker and all the Jokers that we have seen in pop culture over the years? Well, we got Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, won an Oscar for that performance. He was great. We saw Jared Leto in a couple of the Batman and the Suicide Squad movies. I also think in Justice League too. Eh, on that one. And... We got Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker movie. But there's one more. And he was in the most recent The Batman movie. Which, if you haven't watched it, it's a great three hours. I'm going to show you a deleted scene from that Batman movie. We're only going to show 30 seconds of it. But the Joker was in it. Just for a little bit of time. I think somewhere deep down, you're just terrified. You're not sure he's wrong, huh? You think they deserved it, huh? You think they deserved it? <laughs> I gotta say, that's a damn good Joker laugh. That's Barry Kagan, who I believe is Irish who also was in that really shitty superhero movie, The Eternals, which was just so bad. I, I, I had a bunch of people that you recognize. It had uh, one of the guys from Silicon Valley. Uh, it had Rob Stark in it. 
the couple of other peoples that I kind of recognized, it was just a garbage movie, but he was in that movie. I need to see him as the Joker in the next, the Batman movie. It was good. Robert Pattinson slayed uh, Colin Farrell. You won't even recognize him. If you haven't seen it once again, I highly recommend you do because this scene was deleted from it. That's how good of a movie it was. I thought this was a good scene. Watch all five minutes of it. It's up on YouTube. Anyway, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Galan Says Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. But you can watch it live on Twitch and ask me any question, twitch.tv slash Galant Says. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. You can also subscribe on YouTube, see some short clips from the podcast and from the Vanessa and Galant radio program, which you should also be subscribed to. Until... Monday at around three o'clock central time on the Galan says podcast. So long, farewell, have yourselves a wonderful weekend and go Cougs.